Welcome to the Newberry Tart Podcast. Your hosts, Marcy and Jenny, are talking and drinking their way through Newberry award-winning books, past and present. Hi, and welcome back to the Newberry Tart Podcast. We are here today with Holly Black, author of lots and lots of really awesome things, but of a special interest to us, Doll Bones, which was a Newberry honor book in 2014. Hi, Holly. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So Jenny and I were lucky enough to see you when you came through town, um, and you were touring for Cruel Prince. Um, But the new book coming out in January, The Wicked King, is that, well, I guess it's not fair to ask you if it's going to be just as good, but Cruel Prince was really, (laughs) really good. (laughs) Do you want to tell us about the next one? Um, well, it picks up pretty quickly after the events of the Cruel Prince, um, you know, are are finished. Uh, it's a direct sequel and, um, it's the second book in a trilogy. So it's, um, so many, many things become more complicated and, uh, some time is spent in the ocean with some merfolk. Ooh. Oh, Wow. (laughs) <laughs> more complicated <laughs> well i mean it's gotta be right yeah i mean it's already so intricately woven and there's so many things to kind of unravel and and pull out you know um well, i can't wait to many things I'll unravel that. i'll say that yeah <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> uh, and then the third book i'm trying to finish right now is queen of nothing Ooh. That's a great title. <laughs> Thank you. People seem to find it distressing for some reason, but I don't know why. <laughs> it's very um it's very reminiscent of the police king of pain. Like just all the titles are. <laughs> it's like just a normal sounding title. So I'm looking at my books on the shelf of yours that I have and love, and one of my particular favorites is um, not entirely yours, but Zombies versus Unicorns. Oh, yeah, that was a really fun anthology to edit, even though I honestly do have a terrible fear of zombies. <laughs> well, I did always wonder how you really, like, it occurred to you to try to do that. It was, like, a funny thing that um, I think Cassie and I at, at some point had said on tour, we had... Um, when we were going on tour for, um, I guess I was out for Ironside, and she was on tour for City of Bones, we had a lot of Spider-Rick kids who would come out, and we were talking about YA books, and so we tried to, in an effort, you know, to to not bore them for the entire thing, <laughs> um, we would, like, come up with some fun stuff that was sort of um, everybody could do, and one of the things that we did was we voted, which they liked, zombies or unicorns, mm-hmm. and, you know, we did a bunch of stuff like that, and so... Like, our friends um, joked around about it, and then um, Justine really wanted to do an anthology, and it seemed like it would be um, a, a fun thing to do. And uh, although, I, you know, I like unicorns fine. Like, I've <laughs> never been a huge proponent, but let me tell you, when the other option is zombies, I am all over the unicorn. <laughs> I think that's the thing. I wound up on Team Unicorn because I feel so strong. I'm so strongly anti-zombie. And very few people are strongly anti-zombie. 
I don't really like zombies myself, but I, yeah. Yeah. So obviously you write a lot of fairy tales. Um, yeah. And I was just, I we were curious if you have a particular tradition that you um, feel that you come from, like, or like the German or French, or if there's something kind of wholly new that you feel that you've created or. I mean, I think that <clears throat> I'm working um, with a, a lot of uh, Celtic stuff, specifically, I think a lot of Scottish stuff but also English and Irish, and then also definitely uh, Scandinavian when you get into the trolls and that kind you know, um, trolls and trows and um, some of those, some of the, um, the way I'm writing dwarves and, you know, I haven't done much with giants, but there there's a, you know, great Scandinavian tradition around that. And I've read mm-hmm. um, different stories of little people around the world. There's a lot of tree people and a lot of underground dwelling um, earth people mm-hmm. um, in many different cultures. And um, I've done a little bit with other things. I wrote a, um, a Filipino um, fairy story that was uh, based on the Encanto. So I've done a little bit you know, elsewhere or pulling in other things. I just love Mm -hmm. the mix. It reminds me so much of the books that I kind of grew up on. I was so addicted to fairy tales of all kinds, but like Ellen Datlow and Terry Windling and Charles DeLint and Pamela Dean, those people. I mean, I had such a, yeah. Um, When I, in fact, when I was writing, you know, having writing in, you know, the nineties as I was with, you know, a sense that, that Terry and, you know, um, Charles, who I, um, I loved his Jack of Ken Rowan books so much. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ellen Bull, like there's, there just were this, this group of people, um, Ellen Kirshner with Thomas the Rhymer, yeah, Pamela Jean with Tamlin. And like, I really felt like, ah, like this stuff exists and how do I come into it? as a person who's coming, you know, um, late to the party, as it were, <laughs> and, you know, finding my way in it. And, you know, I had to kind of convince myself that as long as I did something different, then that would be enough. As long as I had something to add to the conversation, then that would be enough. But it's hard to know if you actually are, you know. it's. Um, it was, I think that was probably the biggest... Um, intimidating factor for me coming out with the books and you know it's you know it's funny because all of those writers are the most welcoming and kind people I have ever met and have never you know made me feel anything but like really welcome to be writing fairy stories it's kind of ironic really because your book your books plural hit that note so well but now nobody's writing that anymore (laughs) well I mean I think there are there's a few um there are a few people doing it and I think um we've had a few this year and last year that I think um 
you know, more than and 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 haven't in a long in a in a long time. I mean, obviously, Melissa Mar with Wicked Lovely was writing, you know, mm-hmm. um, fairy stories, and then um, the en- Enchantment of Raven. I don't know that one. Margaret Rogerson did the Enchantment of Raven, mm. and then this isn't really the same thing exactly, but it's fairy tales. And it's, uh, did you read the Hazelwood? No. Oh, my God. It is so good. Writing down right now. The Hazelwood? It, it, yes. By Melissa Albert. It is Awesome. It oh. isn't, I mean, it isn't fairies, but it's fairy tales. And, and she um, oh. invents new fairy tales. And they feel really beautiful and organic. And well, and there's the, there's the graphic novel Into the Woods. Oh right. And then there's uh, Tracy but Baptiste Jumbies. Oh yeah, the Jumbies. Oh, Star Touch Queen. Oh yeah. Which feels very fairy. What's what's your preferred age to write for? Um, I think my like my intuitive age to write for is YA. You know, that's that was what my first book tithe was. It's the thing that I come back to again and again. And I think it was a surprise to find that I really also enjoyed writing for younger readers. Because it wasn't something that I would have guessed about myself. You know, I thought it would and and but actually doing it, um, I really love it. I really love um remembering what it was like to be those ages. Mm-hmm. And I had, um, I had a lot of pretend stuff going on at those ages that I think comes up in my work again and again. Like I had a, a lot of um, games and a lot of stories and a lot of, you know, weird little adventures at those ages. Mm-hmm. That I enjoy writing about. Is that where Dollbones comes from? The game that they play? Yes. Yeah, but the game that they play is like some kind of weird combination of what I remember about playing dolls and probably a little bit about what I remember about playing role-playing games. It's a little bit... (laughs) A little bit mixed together in ways that I'm not sure I can unpick. Um... (laughs) But, you know, that big game definitely was something that I had and something I had real trouble giving up, you know, with all my dolls and everything. And um, I, it's probably like the only book I've ever written that isn't so much asking a question as sort of, as, as really giving a definitive answer um, to something. Like it, it is a... You know, I always say that we should not write didactic books, but that is as close as I've ever gotten to writing a really a didactic <laughs> book about how, you know, we do not have to give up imagination as we get older. We do not have to give up telling stories together as we get older and that there is nothing childish about telling stories together. Mm-hmm. And I think that I carried really a lot of shame through a good portion of my adult life 
over being the kid who didn't want to give up playing stories, you know, playing with my dolls, with my friends. There's something childish about it. And, you know, you feel that, like, as a kid, I think I really felt, you know, the weight of that. And as an adult, you know, when I was first trying to figure out how to tell the doll bone story, and I talked about it with different people in publishing, I, you know, it was interesting. Everybody had a story about the end of playing. Mm-hmm. So everybody reaches that end, even if you're the person who shuts it down, right? And it is this weird tragedy of childhood that I don't think we talk about very often. Going back to something that's super important, like super, super important to me. We need we need to go back for a moment to gnomes. No. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So, one, why hasn't there been a sexy, um, slightly tortured teenage gnome in one of your books? Um, hmm. So, when I first wrote Tide, um, <laughs> uh, in the early version, everyone, when you passed into fairy, you shrank. And so, in the early versions of Tide, like, people were like, Riding around on birds or mice, like in a Fitzgerald painting of fairies. That's what it was mm-hmm. like. It turns out that's not really funny. <laughs> There's <laughs> no way to get away from it. And that no matter how angsty you are, when you are under a foot in height, it's funny. <laughs> and, yes. I don't say this as a, like, I I tried to crack that code. I tried. <laughs> Imagine everything in time happening, but everybody is under a foot in height. Hmm. Way under a foot in height. Okay, so there's debate on whether or not gnomes are actual fairies. Yes. We're going um, to fall so, on that side of the debate. So if you look in the back of, um, there's this big illustrated coffee table book that came out in the 70s called Fairies illustrated by Brian Fred and Alan Lane. And in the very back of it, it has a a disclaimer, basically, that disclaims gnomes that they are not fairies. However, around the same time, a book came out called Gnomes, full of gnomes looking fairy-like. I mean, I, having bought both books at the time, and not having noticed the disclaimer in the back, always assumed that gnomes were fairies. Mm-hmm. But um, I believe the thing about the thing about them is they're actually meant to be one of the elemental entities. So you have like gnomes and sylphs and mm-hmm. salamanders and something else that are all actually um, sort of the alchemical embodiment of a certain energy. I think that's actually mm-hmm. why, hmm. technically. But I've always thought of them as earth, air, water, fire. Gnome is earth. Undine is water. Salamander mm-hmm. is fire. And oh, Sylph okay. is air. Thank you very much for humoring me. Do 
you mentioned that in Doll Bones, it's one of your few books that has a very clear, straightforward message. And I completely agree with, you know, that message, which is never stop playing, never stop telling stories together with your loved ones. Always, you know, feed your imagination. But I feel like something that's way less direct is whether or not the queen is real and alive or haunting them. Mm -hmm. And um, could you talk a little bit about creating her backstory? So when I was a kid, I remember my mom telling me a lot of stories about ghosts. Um, She told me, for instance, that our house was haunted and that when she had been a kid, because it had uh, belonged to my great-grandmother, that she had played in the attic with a ghost. Um, this little alarming <laughs> child. Mm. I remember being a little nervous about it. Um, and she had a lot of stories like that about ghosts and, you know, people who had dreams where they were visited by, you know, loved ones who had messages, like weird messages like don't cut down that hedge like really you know <laughs> where you're like okay I guess that is what maybe people in the afterlife would care about if they were my family um, and I never knew as an adult looking back is this all true is this all real and so a lot of, of the queen was me sort of grappling with these memories of growing up you know, where the, you know, the, I guess, ghostly world seemed very close and seemed very real and seemed very um, uh, present. And then, you know, but I never had, I never saw anything and I never had any kind of experience like that. And so um, that is a lot of what the Queen is about. You know, is she a story that Poppy made up? Or is she, you know, a real ghost? And if she's a real ghost, then I guess that means that ghosts are real. And that's the thing about the world that we then you know, must take on board. Yeah, we were both just in love with doll bones in general. Like that that particular like aspect of it was one of our favorite things. But there were just so many things. We're, it's not the typical book that the Newberry Committee comes up with. <laughs> Um, were you surprised? You're like, what is this? <laughs> I mean, how surprised were you when you found out it was an honor? I mean, I was very, very, very surprised. <laughs> um, you know, I think you, like, you know, as a fantasy writer, I think I thought of myself as somewhat left of center, you know, um, and I don't think I thought about I don't know, the Newberry books, they're the books you grow up thinking of as good books. And I thought of myself as, I don't know, somebody who wrote kind of, I don't know, different, like, it's hard to articulate it because there are many fantasy books that are Newberry books, and so I honestly don't know why I thought of myself and writing fantasy as being very different. But for whatever reason, it seemed, um, it, it was not something that I thought of being in my future and was a huge surprise when it happened and obviously an immense honor. Where were you um, when you got the call? Um, I was 
in bed because it's very early. Um, <laughs> and in fact, I had um, my son, who was, I guess, one in bed too. Um, we were, like, he had cried and, you know, been brought in. And I had warned my husband that if anyone called, <laughs> he needed to pick up our kid and get out of there. <laughs> But then they didn't even wake up. Um, <laughs> and, How does uh, they do that every time? Like they never wake up when you think that they're going to, and then if you make it like a sneeze or something, you're just toast for the rest of the night. Right? Yeah. No. He did like a loud ringing sound that woke <laughs> me up. Nope. Didn't care. Which is great because then I could actually up? hear. Everybody <laughs> as opposed to this howling scream. <laughs> Have there been any buzz um, that you've heard of uh, surrounding dolphins? Well, there's that, um, there's the blog, um, Heavy Metal. Mm-hmm. And I know they had, they had talked about it. And that was exciting. Um, which mm-hmm. was why I had, I had even the presence of mind to say to my husband that if anyone called me, he better do. <laughs> but, you know, it was very idly said. Um, I certainly didn't really expect it to happen. So but that was the only, that was the reason that I had any possible, like the reason I was even thinking about it. And I know that honors don't have to do speeches, but did you have any particular memories that stood out about um, the ALA that you went to when they did that? If you, um, if you went I remember that I was super, like, it really was um, such a huge honor and such a, like, a huge thing that I just remember being, I used to give, like, a, a little talk to the committee, and I was freaking out, and my editor was, I was, was also a little freaking out. <laughs> we were, you know, I just, I was very nervous going out there. I, um... I actually had um, the first panic attack I've ever had. Oh no! The night oh, no. before, mm-hmm. and I was, I was like, either I'm having a panic attack or I'm having a heart attack. My husband was like, well, maybe you should go to the hospital. And I was like, I have to go to LA in the morning. I'm not <laughs> going anywhere. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so that was my. Um, I was really, really freaked out about it. But I assume everything went well. As you said, you don't have to give a speech. Nothing could go badly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, once again, speaking of Newberry books, do you have any particular favorites aside from your own? So we were talking about fairy books, right? And I probably, my no, like one of my favorite, favorite, favorite fairy books um, was a Newberry book. Uh, it's The Perilous Guard oh, by yes. Elizabeth Murray Pope. And it is such a great book, such a great fairy book. Um, Boy, and, and nobody ever such, mentions that one. I think because it, um, yes, it's an older book. It's from the seventies, and but Ooh. it has such an incredible turn. The ending of that book is inc- like it's perfect, and. Um, the fairies in it are very strange and realistic. Ooh. And and also, like, 
oddly cold in that way that, you know, they are in folklore. Like, it's just mm-hmm. such an amazing mm-hmm. book. Um, I'm trying to think if any of the other Newbery books are even fairy books, and the only thing else I remember is uh, The Fairy Circus. But that's really old. Uh, the, the More Child. Oh, you're right. Is also yeah. um, and also an amazing book. But um, as a kid, I was a big um, Prydain fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lloyd Alexander, you know, and Black, Black Cauldron and I think The High King are both Newbery books. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think those were probably the books that really launched me into high fantasy. And then Wrinkle in Time, for me, was such a big book. I read... Um, all of those, uh, all of that line, and then I read all of the Meet the Austins line. Mm-hmm. And mm. when they meet, it's like too much, right? It's too much. <laughs> completely blew my mind. Like it really, um, I think, changed my idea of what story could be and the way that you could tell stories. Uh, um, because it was such a shift in thinking. The idea that you know you're watching, you know, this girl and she's having very you know, normal adventures with her family, and then at some point you realize this is happening in the same world in which Wrinkling Time is also taking place. And, you know, I don't know, the whole world got so much bigger in that moment for me. But I thought about it a lot as a writer. Um, obviously, Dark is Rising by Susan Cooper mm-hmm. is a, a book I, I, I talk about a lot when I talk about the stakes in magic and the price of magic. There's this one mm-hmm. moment um, where he's in, a, it's Christmas with his family, and it's just the safest place that you, you would expect for a kid. But for him, it's not safe. He has to get up and leave and fight the dark. And I thought this is such an interesting cost of magic. that You will mm-hmm. never be safe. You know, you will keep everyone else safe, but you will never be safe and never feel safe again. Um. And then probably um, Megan Whelan Turner's The Thief. Oh, that's a good oh, yeah. one too. Oh. You you have such good taste in books. <laughs> Why? Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, I love The Thief so much. I love con- I mean, I love con artists. I love heist books. And then Queen of Atolia comes along and blows my mind. <laughs> I know. I love it when there's a really great book, and then they're like, "And here's several more. <laughs> Enjoy." <laughs> Well, and great in a, on a in a way where you're where you where everything's changed. Yes. Too, where it's not more of the same. It's something that actually like you're like, whoa, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought I understood this world, but now I realize I didn't. Which is actually one thing that we really love about your books too, because your characters are always sort of changing into something completely different, but still themselves. If that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, we love it. Just love it. <laughs> there's a lot of growth there's a lot of growth in in all your books and all the characters um i think i think as a reader it's really interesting to see the exact same character just change like as a mm-hmm. mature or you know like mercy said change into something else but it's still the same core character it's interesting to let characters really have big shifts. I mean, and I love also, I love when characters make big mistakes. Mm-hmm. I love that moment when you're reading a book and you're like, and you're, 
Like, please don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, God. No. Oh, oh, oh. It's such a great moment. You know, it's such a great character moment when they do the thing that you're, that you, I mean, obviously it isn't always satisfying. You know, when they make a mistake and it's just a mistake, I don't think it's satisfying. But when they make a mistake that changes the world and changes the circumstances and changes the stakes, really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And it's impossible to put down because then you always have to find out what happens. We're big fans, if you couldn't tell. (laughs) Yeah. I I really thank you so much. We we just reviewed Dollbones for the podcast, and it was very gushy, so I hope you haven't listened to it because that is kind of embarrassing (laughs) in retrospect. (laughs) I do like it. It really was a book that I tried. It was a book I didn't know how to write for a long time. I knew I wanted to write about that that moment when your friends don't want to play dolls anymore. And in my original way of writing about it, I thought, this is Poppy's story. All the action happens to her. Um, you know, it makes sense for her to be the person, you know, that it's about, but it just didn't work. It wasn't right. And, you know, I had that weird thing of like, well, this isn't right, but I don't know why it's not right. So I guess I'm just going to kind of write something else first and keep poking at this. And, and until I realized that it was Zach's story, you know, and then everything came together. Um, but it was also, but then it was very slow going. Like I kept a chart of my um, word count and my word count when I was writing this book was so terrible. And I think it was because it really is the most realistic novel I've ever written. And I didn't know how to write a realistic novel. You know, how do you write a story in which the supernatural might not really be real? And so figuring that, I don't know, it was, it was, uh, I'm always super glad when people like it because it was a book that when I finished a draft of, I remember thinking, well, this could have been good. It's too bad I didn't pull it off. And so, you know, (laughs) I, I mean, and obviously I edited it from there and, you know, hopefully made it better, but I, you know, was a book that I so wanted to get right. Well, we think you did. Yay. Since when we, when we review our books for our regular episodes, we pair them up with a cocktail. Um, we, mm. like, we like to ask what everybody's favorite drink is. So I like really peaty scotches. Like something that tastes like it sort of tastes like somebody took dirt and set it on fire and then put it out with gasoline. <laughs> and so Lafourig in particular is my sort of scotch of choice. And there is this drink called a Lafourig martini, which for anyone who likes Lafourig probably seems completely blasphemous. <laughs> but it is. Um, so you wash out a glass with absinthe, Yum. just a wash of absinthe. <laughs> As you do. As you do. And then in the glass, you have, let's see if I can remember the proportions of this. 
um, I believe it is a half of whatever unit of measure you're using, um, like a half of the Lefroig, and then um, one, that seems like too much, maybe it's a quarter of Lefroig, and then a half of vodka, a half of gin, um, and then a lemon peel. Hmm. That sounds amazing. It's really good. Like, it really actually is good, although it doesn't seem like it would be good. (laughs) Well, we'll experiment and report back. Thank you again for being here tonight, Holly. We really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Newberry Tart Podcast. We were talking with Holly Black author of 2014 Newbery Honor winning Doll Bones. We'll see you next time. Production assistance for Newbery Tart is provided by Raphael Siebenman and Liam Grove. Graphic design by Liz Mytinger. Intro and outro by Ariana Hargrave. Theme music for this podcast is provided by the laid-back and local Throckmorton Ukulele Band. You can hear more of their music on Facebook. Find more Newbery Tart episodes at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our website is Newberry Tart. That's N-E-W-B-E-R-Y-T-A-R-T dot com.